This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Episode 256, Close Encounters with God, Nativity Stories. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend's plumber. Superman. Wonder Woman. Heroes. Villains. Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did was that he created something, so we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Hello and welcome to Strangers and Aliens Podcast about science fiction and fantasy and its uh, intersection with uh, our spiritual lives. <laughs> I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I've been joined by my friend, and that would be you. That would be me, Steve yes, McDonald. Steve McDonald. <laughs> and he is here with me to talk about, um, you know, this topic is just kind of taking our, those two worlds, that science fiction fantasy world and that, uh, spiritual, uh, just part of our lives and just mixing them together like peanut butter and chocolate. Um, and, <laughs> two, and, two great uh, tastes that taste great together. Yeah. Yeah. And basically we're going to use this, uh, this opportunity to, talk about the Christmas story. We like the Christmas story because it's a good story. We also like the Christmas story because, frankly, our lives revolve around it. Uh, if you are a Christian, um, you may not be thinking about Christmas all the time, but the Christmas story is a very, very big part of the uh, the life that you live as far as these, these are events that set everything in motion to uh, allow Jesus to do what he needed to do and to allow us to be a part of uh, the kingdom of God. And so Amen. we are going to take a look at that story because it is that time of year. Even if you are not listening to us at that time of year, um, that's where we are right now. And we're going to take a look at that story. We're going to take a look at it. Uh, I, I say this a lot, but as a as a uh, children's minister, which I've been doing professionally for a while, but also as a volunteer for years and years and years, I've I've had to tell the story Many, 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 many times I've had to listen to the story many, 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 many more times, <laughs> and it gets to a point where you have to decide, am I going to let this just wash over me and not worry about it and let it just become like, we just have to read the story really quick so we can get to the presence, or am I going to try and find something new in that story? And this is just one way of kind of examining the story in a in a new and different and fun way. And this is something I've been wanting to do for a long time, not necessarily about the Christmas story. It just it just kind of fit for us to as we were figuring out what are we going to do for the holidays. And that is close encounters with God. And the idea is using the close encounters scale that um, inspired Steven Spielberg's title 
of his 1977 sci-fi classic, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Using that Close Encounters scale to describe and examine the encounters that people had with God and with um, his messengers in the Christmas story. So, Steve, what do you yes. what do you know about the the Close Encounters scale? Well, the Close Encounters scale is what people who believe in UFOs, and I, I don't know if we're going to get into that. Not really. No, <laughs> we'll, we're going to gloss over all of those. Um, right. The controversial stuff we could get into, we're just going to describe it in, right. you know, factually, like what, what is it meant to describe? And we're just going to, we'll leave the UFO talk right. Let's to just say, if, another if, episode, another time. Uh, but this if is... If you believed in UFOs. Yes. Then it would be a, a, a close encounter of the first kind would be a sighting of a UFO or an alien and something that... that at, at least in in your time frame, in your you know eyewitness, you can say you know as of today, it hasn't been redefined. It hasn't been redesignated as a as a um, identified flying object or an identified alien. It's still something that is unidentified. So you have first, visually sighted it, though you've made visual right. Uh, contact. Right. Second one would be. Um, it would be uh, physical evidence. Physical evidence. I was, I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah. Physical and, evidence has been left behind. Generally right. speaking, this physical evidence might be um, uh, like burn prints in the ground from the the landing struts, uh, mm -hmm. but it also could be um, interference with electronics. Um, yeah. It could be feeling strange, feeling metals. the heat, feeling the um, uh, feeling you know. It's you're, you're feeling, you're um, seeing, you're able to hold possibly yeah. this something kind of evidence. Yes. Something you've actually experienced beyond your visual or audio sense. It's a physical, it's a physical contact. Physical contact. And then the third would be actual contact with the thing. That would, yeah, with, with the, or, or rather with the people or things <laughs> right. inside the uh, alien or the the alien conveyance yeah, inside the, inside the UFO um, you know contact with the with the creatures yeah and so in the movie close encounters of the third kind like i said that is the only way that i would probably know these so well because of the movie poster um, the comic book the novel i had them all uh, not when i was a child uh, 1977 i was a little young for that but when i was in college i bought the novel that was supposedly written by steven spielberg and supposedly yeah and, and the comic book graphic novel uh that's really just a great great adaptation of the movie um love that comic book i think we had that what they call them that the tele tele novel or something it was like the it was like a uh a photo photo novel Photo novel, like 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 a, a graphic novel, but it was actually scenes from the film. Yeah, I didn't have that, like but that. I had I had the one from uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, that one was cool, and I had some Star Trek ones. But I think we had some Star Trek ones as well. Yeah, yeah. but I remember something like that. You know, something. Uh, it might have been a program. I mean, back. I, people don't know this, but back. I mean, even like with the Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, they they put out. 
and the, uh, they actually did one for Phantom Menace. They they had like a, a program for the movie. You know, yeah, and, yeah. And when you go to a special a book, showing, a magazine these days, if you go to a special showing, you, you get that kind of thing. Yeah, I I haven't seen one in, in a while, but uh, I mean, I had one from Star Wars, and and you know, I wore that out, and then you know, I had a couple other ones, but I had Indiana Jones. Um, but we had like one of those, I think we had like the, like a, uh, record album, like a, you know, two album set or something like that. I think it was the, like, a, you know, and you had like 24 pages of stuff that you could flip through as you're listening to it or something, but it was something, I forget exactly what, but yeah, it was, uh, they, they put out a lot of stuff for this. It was yeah. well. Marketed. Yeah. And so, um, in the movie, they go through all of these different stages of encounters in you know, you have them seeing the things and then chasing the things and trying to figure out what they're what they're seeing. But then you also have, um, you know, the physical effects of like sunburn uh, mm-hmm. on on the main character. I think it's Roy 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 Neary. I think his name is. But um, Richard Dreyfus uh, gets half of his face gets gets sunburned, and and uh, the the woman that he ends up um, with at the end of the movie, which. This last time that I watched the movie, I took my kids to the theater actually to see it for a special showing. I think it's a th- oh. was it a thirty fifth anniversary? Uh, yeah, about fortieth. What about the fortieth? Yeah, 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 fortieth, fortieth anniversary. That's right. How old do you feel? Because I'm forty two, and this came out <laughs> when I was three. So, yeah, so fortieth anniversary um, theater showing, and I took uh, took my oldest kids, and we went and saw it. And I don't know if you remember when we talked about this movie back, you know, way early in the podcast, you and me and Dr. Jace, but we got in kind of a long discussion that really got cut short for the actual episode because it got a little bit heated uh, about um, (laughs) this movie actually, you know, about how this guy's leaving his family. And he's because the third encounter or the third kind of encounter that he has is he actually goes on the UFO and he leaves his family behind. And we were just kind of focused on that, him just leaving the earth to go with the aliens, which is, yeah, well, that'd be great. But he's leaving his family behind. What I did not realize until this viewing, and I've seen this movie, mm, not not 10 times, but maybe eight or nine times. Yeah. Uh, This final time that I, I watched it, I realized this guy didn't leave his family at the end of the movie like oh he left him yeah early on well early on his <laughs> wife and kids leave him and then he basically has i what i would call an emotional affair with the other woman who has mm-hmm. the shared experience of having seen the ufo and her own child has been abducted by the ufo and suddenly i realize wait a minute like i don't remember seeing this maybe it's just in the uh, the whatever special edition or whatever cut that I watched originally or whatever. But like he is, he, he kisses her when he sees her after they've been away from each other for a little while. I'm just thinking, wow, that's yeah, that he didn't just leave his kids when he left yeah. the earth. I mean, he had left that marriage. Yeah. Um, and honestly, that'd be a, you could study this movie in a lot of different ways. And I would love to take a, a time to study it in like uh, a marriage and family um, perspective, taking a look at the steps that lead toward having an affair, the steps that lead toward, um, you know, lose, you know, just your, your marriage breaking down and, and, you know, finding out before that happens and 
stopping it and working. Yeah, it's a it's a terrible little movie. If you're, <laughs> it's not a date movie. It's not a. Well, I mean, it's yeah. A, I mean, if you're looking at it in this perspective, it is. But uh, anyway, so those are the the three encounters that we get, and the movie obviously is what kind of uh, jogged this in my mind. Of it'd be, it'd be interesting to do. Um, let, let's talk about close encounters with God, you know, and and using this classification system, but then exploring what did the encounter mean to the person who had the encounter, and what was the response from the encounter, and and what can we take away from it? Because in UFO movies, usually the encounter results in an almost religious fanaticism to find out more. You know, what do these things want? What are they doing? And and why did they come to me? And here we have in in this true story of the nativity, um, just some, some of those same types of reactions. And yeah, so I think that's, I don't know, is that, is that a good enough explanation of what we're doing here? I think so. Okay, so we're going to take a look at the different, some of the different um, stations of the nativity, so to speak. And we are going to define what kind of encounter it was. We're going to talk about the actual encounter that happened. What did it mean to the person? How did they respond? What can we take away from it? And we're going to start with Zechariah. And Zechariah was married to Elizabeth, who was Mary's cousin. And he was a priest. And he had an encounter with an angel. And the angel actually spoke to him and said, you're going to have a child. And Zechariah is all, we're really old. That's not possible. And the angel's like, dude, you're talking to an angel <laughs> right now with an, with an actual message to you saying it's going to happen. And... uh I, I like got this from God himself and now I'm here to tell you and buddy, here, here's the deal. You're not going to talk until this kid is born. And I, not to put too fine a point on it, but in some ways I wonder if the whole not talking part of Zechariah's punishment actually allowed him and his wife to get along better and maybe have more intimate time together because he's not actually doing any talking and she doesn't have to get annoyed by, you know, him talking and dominating conversation and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and actually I, I think it was good for their marriage that, that uh, he had that time um, because nine months later they had a baby and they asked Elizabeth what they were to name the baby. And she said, Zechariah uh, has told me, in a very silent means, you know, whatever it was that he used to tell her they're going to name the child John, which was not a traditional name for her family, but that was okay because then he wrote it down and said, yep, that's what we want him to be called. What it is. And then he was able to speak again. So, yeah, so that's, that's our first encounter. Mm -hmm. And so I would say, and, and this is where we, I think we need to kind of work out our definition together here, Steve, I mean, this is clearly um, more than just a, a visual sighting. I mean, he actually spoke to an angel. Right, yeah. The, so that's... Yeah. The question that, is, are we talking about a uh, physical evidence sighting, which I think the physical evidence of hearing a voice and then not being able to speak after the encounter mm -hmm. uh, definitely lead, lends itself to that. Or are we talking about actual contact? Because and he had contact a, with an angel. Yeah. But we're calling this Close Encounters with God. So yeah, I, I want to hear what you thought about that, Steve. Well, an angel is a messenger above uh, anything else. That's what the word means. 
So the angel is bringing the message of God. The, the words that he's speaking are what God would have spoken if he were there. Right. So as far as I'm concerned, this would be a close encounter of the third kind because he is actually coming into contact with the words of God. You know, through through a messenger, through an, an envoy, yes, but he gets that actual contact that way. I mean, he makes contact with with the the messenger for sure. The, the messenger right. is there in the place with him. Um, I I just I there's part of me that's just thinking, well, you know, this isn't this isn't direct contact with God, but at the same time. Then you get you get in some really loose definitions because what is prayer, you know, and what is exactly, uh, prayer yeah. is contact with God. I mean, God is wherever we are because He mm-hmm. is everywhere. So um, that's why, because it could get so broad for me, I, I would say this is probably a second kind because it's. I mean, yes, God was even in the room with them as it was happening because of the whole un, uh, um, um, uh, omniscience of, of the Lord, but. Omnipresence. Omnipresence. Yeah. That's the one I was looking for. Sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. omniscience would work too, but de- definitely omnipresence. Well, the and, omnipresence is is the definition of what I'm talking about here. Right. So, for sure. And in and in a real way, any true believer, I mean, the the Bible is clear that we know God. It's not just that we believe in Him or believe that He's the best way out of many ways or any you know such nonsense like that. That we know God. So. You know, any of these people, I mean, I guess all of these people combined obviously are having a third uh, third level encounter with them. But this specific encounter, taking that out of it, you know, I, I would I would say you know, it, it, at least a second, maybe a third. Yeah. And, and the reason I would hesitate to do a third is because I think of like Moses on the mountain. Right. That's a third. You know, where he, yeah. he actually, God's presence call, goes right by. Um, right. You know, maybe even Elijah on the mountainside uh, mm-hmm. where he hears the whisper, but that is actually the voice of God. Um, right. And I'll say this, if we're going to use what I'm saying, that this is a second kind, we definitely have some third kinds coming up, but I might be cheating with that too. So, <laughs> but <laughs> So what did it mean and what was the response for Zechariah and then by proxy uh, Elizabeth? Um, well, I've, I've kind of given my take on some of that. I mean, he didn't believe at first, but then his mouth was, was zipped shut. And I think he probably, once he realized that he could miraculously not speak, I think that's when he actually did believe that this is what's happening. And, and when he went to Elizabeth, unable to speak, I think however he reported to her what happened um, – he made the report with the belief that it was going to happen. I, I mm-hmm. think that that was a pretty, pretty clear indicator. Um, what do you think? What about, um, about Zechariah? What, it, what it meant for Zechariah, what it meant for Elizabeth. I think he didn't know how to believe it. You hmm, know, I yeah. think it, Interesting. It's, it's, it's not that he didn't believe because obviously God works through this thing and, and you know obviously it, if someone something comes to you inside the holy of holies and it's an angel of and he says it's an angel of god and all that stuff i think it, it's just that type of thing where you know like alien movies you don't know how to there's no context for it there's no box to put it in hmm. you know it's not like oh this is like all those angel 
stories and pictures that, you know, people have told me through the, no, it's like, you know, the only angels, it's, it's always like, you know, Abraham seeing these three people and wait a minute, you know, this is, this is, you know, this is something happening here or, you know, in the burning bush. It's like, wait a minute, how come this is not being consumed? And it's always like these, these things where you hear the stories and they're real to you in those times, but you don't think you're going to be that the next, you know, thing in the line. And, and it's just, wait a minute, me in, in, in now. I mean, and yeah, the, just yeah. the, the whole context for him was, was way off. So I think it was, it was more in, incredulity than uh, unbelief. One thing that stuck out to me this time around when I was kind of looking at the story was, um, when the angel comes, of course, I love how angels always are like, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Um, but the thing he says right after, do not be afraid, Zechariah, is your prayer has been heard. And, you know, Elizabeth has not had a child yet and mm-hmm. and they're getting old. And so the well, the thing I'm wondering when I hear this is, does the, is this something they were still praying for? Or is this like saying your prayer has been heard from, you know, 30, 30 years ago when <laughs> when Elizabeth actually could have children and you mm-hmm. guys actually realistically thought it could happen you stopped praying about it because you've hit a point where you're like, ah, that's not going to happen. I mean, look at me. Um, right. And, and so your prayer has been heard and it's just taken this long to get an answer. Or is it something that they have still continued to pray about and pray for? Um, which there is no answer to that here. It, it just, because right. it, it just says that they were along in years and that they had apparently been praying about this, this situation for them. But mm-hmm. yeah. So that's Zechariah and Elizabeth. They found out they were going to have a baby. They got pregnant and they had a baby. The baby was John, John the Baptist. And he went on to have his own third encounter with yes. not just God. I mean, he had a, he had a close encounter of the third kind with all three members of the, the Trinity. Yeah. Which that's is like the ninth um, level. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's if we're if we're going to use our own scale, we'll take it up to nine because he's having <laughs> he's having a third encounter with all three. Three times three, it's nine. So yeah, but three times three times three. Well, there you go. Well, Twenty seventh level, all, right? all, all altogether different. But yeah, yeah. And, and what I mean by that is, um, the Holy Spirit came like a dove uh, when Jesus was being baptized by John the Baptist, and then we you hear the voice of God actually say this is my son. And right. that's, that's where, um, a lot of Trinity theology comes from is that you have those, those three separate, but not portions of the Holy Trinity. That is one of those things that man, whenever you start teaching that thing to kids, kids are like, <laughs> what, how, what? And you all, all you can say, yeah. all, all I can say when I'm teaching that to kids is I know it's hard to understand and <laughs> I can't understand it either, but we're going to go ahead and talk about right. it and we will, We'll know more when we actually get to heaven. So. Absolutely. I, I always try to explain it, and I always preface this, and I say, this is not how it really is. This is just a picture to sh- sort of to show you how, th- how three things can be the same thing. And I say, take an egg, and you, know, you, you put a little hole in the egg, and you blow out the stuff inside the egg, and then you separate that stuff. And you have the white stuff, the albumin. You have the yellow stuff, the yolk. And you have a shell and you paint the shell and you put it up on the on the, the shelf. You mix up the white stuff, the albumin, you cook that and, and you make a little omelet 
you mix up the yellow stuff, you cook that, you make a little omelet, and then you look at all three of them. You have the shell, the egg. You have the white albumin omelet, egg. You have the yellow yolk omelet, egg. Is it three eggs? No, it's one egg. But it's three. But it's one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I like the the variation on that. That's the apple, where you have have the skin, and when you take the skin off, it does the skin cease becoming or cease to be an apple? No. You have the flesh, and then you have the seed. It's all apple. They they it is, and they're all it, one. Yeah. And and it, but at the same time, like you said, I mean, you can't say this is the way the Trinity works. It's just right. this is one word picture that helps us to understand, but it's only helping us understand and it's not right. complete understanding. So. Just a very, a very small way of, of thinking about it. Well, and it's one of those things where it's, it, it's a paradox. Sure. Is it a mystery? Absolutely. But, uh, is that a problem? No. <laughs> What's a mystery wrapped up in a paradox tied up with an enigma? Sure. You know, and it's all this wonderful stuff that when we get to heaven, it's going to be all, you know, understood and, and amazed. And, you know, yeah. it's just going to be that type of a thing. Yeah. You know what? So. Honestly, if we were in heaven and we still didn't understand it, I'd be OK. I mean, first of all, we're in heaven. Who cares? You know, like, yeah, we're here, you know. Yeah. But um, it's what are you gonna do? understanding, nope. <laughs> understanding all of the mystery is not a necessity. You know, it doesn't have to be. It's, yeah, I mean, there there can be things that we don't understand because they're just beyond comprehension. And I, I I don't know, maybe maybe we will understand when we're in heaven. Uh but at the same time, if if we still cannot comprehend, first of all, we'll be able to accept it a lot easier <laughs> because right. we're actually there in the presence of God. But right. Having our own third encounter, third kind of encounter. <laughs> all right. Well, so our our own, you know, actual physical encounter. You yeah, know? yeah. That would be amazing. So continuing in, in Luke, then this is the Luke uh, portion of, of the, the story of Christ's birth. We have next, the next uh, encounter is the angel arriving to Mary and, you know, greeting Mary because she is highly favored and telling her, do not be afraid because you found favored with God and telling her she'll be found uh, with child and give birth to a son. And also again, tells her the name that they are to give. Mm-hmm. the the child jesus and telling her he'll be the son of the most high god he will have the throne of his father david he'll reign over the house of jacob forever his kingdom will never end all of this wonderful beautiful amazing stuff and then mary's just wow how how can this be again i think you're right uh i hadn't thought about it like that before steve where it's just how do you even categorize what's being said to you yeah you know if someone comes to you and says Hi, Mary, I'm going to give you some bread for lunch today. That's something she can understand because it's just a part of everyday life. An angel coming and yeah, well, you know, how can this be? Because I'm a virgin is what she says. And Mm -hmm. the angel says, well, the Holy Spirit is going to place the child in your body with the power of God. (laughs) Like that, it's just, it's going to happen. And you know what? Here's here's a little bit more proof for you. I mean, even Elizabeth is having a kid, and she's yeah. you know, she's well along in years, but she's <laughs> having a child, and it was prophesied yeah. by an angel. I'm coming to you and saying this is what's going to happen. Nothing is impossible with God. 
And so Mary's second response to this is, I am the Lord's servant, may it be as you have said. Right. And the angel leaves her. So I would agree with myself talking about the, <laughs> the Zechariah encounter that this is probably a, a second, uh, an encounter of the second kind in my, in my estimation, if we're categorizing, um, because it's basically the same kind of encounter. An angel comes, talks and leaves. And except it, uh, Mary actually gets to speak after the angel leaves. So that's good. Yes. And her, I mean, beautiful, beautiful song after that, a poem, song, whatever you want to call it. It just illustrates how well versed this young lady was in the scriptures because it goes through the Old Testament and includes prophecies. And, you know, when when God shows her the other end of the spectrum, when the angel says, you know, your your cousin is is going to be having a child and she's on the other end of the whole, you know, woman's, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it journey through life. And, you know, she, she hasn't had a child and she's now at the point where she can't have a child. And Mary is saying, you know, I'm at this point and I can't have a child. She's at that point and she can't have a child, but she's having a child. I must be, I mean, it, it must be true. It must be true. And her, you know, just her overflowing outpouring of her, you know, of her spirit, you can just see how wonderful and how beautiful and how amazing she was concerning how the scripture was. I mean, you know, it's it's sort of a shame that uh, some people have taken Mary and put her on a level that is so high that some people think that she should be taken down a notch and not really concentrated on because, you know, she truly is, you know, at the top of all women, you know, I mean, it it was, she truly was, I mean, in her, her song shows that, that she was ready for this, that even though she didn't think that she was ever going to be that person, when it came time to be that person, she was ready for it. And that's amazing. You know, whenever I, I teach kids or whatever about Mary, I make it very clear that we don't worship her. She's not part of the, you know, Trinity or the Quadrinity or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but she truly is amazing. And she has her own faith journey. You follow her through the scriptures. And, you know, her her other children are you know, are wondering what Jesus is doing. And, and she's sort of, you know, wondering ab- about that herself. And she's, you know, seeing all this stuff and keeping it in her heart. And then obviously it's, you know, you, you see this faith journey if you follow her story through it. And no, she's not a goddess. She's not anything to be worshipped, anything like that. She's not a, you know. Yeah, but a, but you can understand, you can understand why, though, that, inflation of status for her would mm-hmm. happen you know i mean just just because of who she was uh i mean you're, you're talking about her, her faith journey she's not just there then when the angel comes and says hey you're gonna have a baby and then she she has you know jesus as her child mm-hmm. uh, she's there in the upper room when the holy spirit comes for yeah. the first time yeah. and and the tongues of fire she was there mm-hmm. at that point um i mean she was at the cross 
yeah. I mean, she gets forgotten because when you do the movie about Jesus or, you know, whatever, you know, it, you might put her in the scene or whatever, but the movie's focusing on Jesus. Right. But she was there at the crucifixion. She was there at uh, at Pentecost. Mm-hmm. And and she was there at the beginning of the church. And yeah. it's just all of these super important moments of the the infancy of of the church and and she is she's there and i mean i can understand at the same time she also is a human you know she is not uh i mean she's blessed among women but she is not more than a woman right she is she is a human being and she had flesh and blood like you and i i imagine she lost her temper like you and i um (laughs) and she did not stay a virgin she had children afterward Mm-hmm. And you know, and and Joseph was their father, but um, yeah, yeah, it's it's quite a story when you when you look at just her story, and it's unfortunate that she does get kind of forgotten and lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. Except for Christmas time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but even then, you know, it's almost like she's this you know, uh, subsequent role type of a thing where all the time she is, I mean, she's almost like, you know, the, 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 the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant, you know, as, as Christ is, is a, a symbol of the Ark of the Covenant. She's this, you know, priest in a, in a new christian sense in the new in the first church first you know first century church sense she's a priest like like all believers and she is is bearing this this gift that's this thing that brings salvation you know and she's she's that thing she's that person you know so it's it's not just anyone who could carry around the 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 ark of the covenant it was some very specific very special people and God didn't just, you know, pick Mary out of the, the crowd. <laughs> you know, no, it was some, no. something absolutely positively special about that that woman. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the next encounter then, which um this one's a slightly different encounter, uh, but it is also slightly the same. It's also an angel. Uh, but this time, um it's this is Joseph. And Joe, this is, uh, we find out about Mary. Most of the Mary stuff is happening in Luke. And that's where we find like her song that you're talking about that she, mm-hmm. she put together and uh, put together. <laughs> she wrote, I don't know if she actually like set it to music and, you know, wrote out the chord progression or whatever. But, um, <clears throat> in Matthew, we get, it's more Joseph centric. And in, in that, that's where, uh, we find out that she was pledged to be married and before they had, um, intimate relations, uh, she was found to be with child. And mm-hmm. so he was going to, he, then he's a righteous man. He actually does care about her. I don't know if he, he loves her at this point. Um, because this was probably an arranged marriage, but, uh, he didn't want her to have to deal with all the public disgrace. And so he was trying to figure out how, how to get around that. As he was figuring that out, that's when the angel comes to him in a dream. So in, in this case, it is a dream. He is sleeping, uh, the angel appears to him and says, Joseph, don't worry about it. Do not be afraid because everything that's happened has happened 
because it's the Holy Spirit that has made this happen. And she will give birth to a son, give him the name Jesus. He's going to save people from their sins. And he woke up and he did what the angel commanded. And yeah, so that's that's uh, uh, our third encounter, which I think is, I don't know, man. This might just be a, this might be a close encounter of the first kind because it's it's in a dream. It's not visual. So that's that's the thing that makes me wonder if it's a second kind. I don't know, Steve. What do you think? Well, it's it's still a visitation, yes, but as it would play out and you know, if you if you were really tr- if someone outside the situation was putting it down as, you know, whatever it was going to be, it would it would have to be a first if, with like, you know, a, a two question mark, you know, <laughs> and, at the most, you know, like with a question mark because anyone can have a dream. And there's no physical proof of that. And I mean, how many people dream of a UFO or an alien and then still call it a, uh, you know, an actual, you know, a first level encounter? So as much as we know, I mean, from the word of God, that it was a real angel coming to him in his dream. It just happened to be in a dream. And, you know, we know that that would at least be a second, if not a third the way that you would look at it if you were outside the situation trying to classify it, it would probably be a one, maybe even a question mark on the one. Yeah. I was just wondering, could this be a close encounter of the zero kind? (laughs) You you know, I mean, this is, this is like a, a a mental impression of a contact. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a contact that's been placed inside your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And yes, you are absolutely right, because the difference here is that there is actual evidence that the dream was more than a dream, because this dream said this is going to be the way it's going to be, and you need to do this, and and it was the way it was. So, I mean, here it is. He, he's dreaming and getting confirmation that everything Mary said was was true. So um, now I, I also have had a an alien encounter. Uh, in my dreams. I don't know if I, I've told you about this, but um, mm-hmm. when I sleep, I sleep with my, sometimes sleep with my feet crossed. And mm-hmm. when I was in college, I had ingrown toenails and they hurt <laughs> really bad. If you've ever had I them, know, yeah, yeah. they hurt really bad. Mm-hmm. And one night I was sleeping and in the basement where I slept, it was pitch dark. There were no windows. And I, one, I was sleeping with my feet crossed. One foot hit the other toe, and this jolt of pain just shot up my leg. And for a moment, it, I before I actually woke up, there was an alien standing at the foot of my bed holding like a taser that had a wire going into <laughs> my toe and zapping my leg with this jolt of elect, uh, electrical energy. Yeah. And of course I wake up and there's nothing there, but that was the way my brain interpreted what had happened, uh, in, in my sleep. And yeah. Wow. I, 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 I present that to you. Uh, (laughs) Presented for your approval. Right. Yeah. So not an alien, uh, but in this case for, for Joseph, it absolutely was a vision in a dream of a real angel that was giving him a real message. 
So for him, the meaning was, was clear. I mean, he was planning on figuring out a way to let her have the baby and make it seem like the baby was his. And I almost wonder if that was part of her visit to Elizabeth Mm -hmm. um, was to kind of get her out of the way while her belly was growing bigger. (laughs) And, you know, so that the, the timeline could be fudged a little bit as far as when the baby was born compared to when, you know, they, they actually, uh, got married or whatever. But um, the other thing I do imagine is that when he had this dream and I've written this both ways, but the one, the most recent way that I like to imagine it, which there's no proof that this happened this way, but that he actually went to Elizabeth's to, uh, to find her and, and to, to tell her that he'd had the dream. Interesting. But yeah, who knows? I mean, there there is no timeline here. It's two different accounts. One is kind of following Mary and the other follows, follows Joseph. Mm-hmm. And because it's two different accounts, they, they don't have a strict chronological timeline for the two accounts as far as how they relate to each other. Right. But, okay. So we're going to skip now over to, um, we're skipping the whole Bethlehem thing. We're not, we're not going to talk about no room in the inn and all hey, that spoilers. stuff. Spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. It's not Christmas yet. Some people might not know the story. <laughs> We're going to skip skip the the birthing the the birthing process to jump ahead to the shepherds. Uh that's our next encounter. And this one uh you know the story. The shepherds are out there and they are watching their flocks and the angels come and sing and say, "Hey, in Bethlehem there's a child. He's been wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger." And here's, that's the sign. Go find him. But first we're going to sing for you. Glory to God in the highest peace to men on whom his favor rests. And they hurry and they find the child and they are amazed and wonder. And they go and tell everyone, yeah. which is something that I love. That's an element of the story that I think is just possibly one of the most important elements of the shepherd's story yeah, is that amazing. they go and find that out. They they learn the details, they go check it out, and then they go and tell everyone. Right. Because at this point, shepherds are not like, you know, seen as like the good shepherd type of a model. I mean, it was the good shepherd because the shepherds weren't good. You know, they were like the, the, the nasty smelly antisocial guys and it's like whoa okay we'll give him the job that that takes him out of town so you know they can just spend time up there with the sheep and and then come home at night and that type of thing so these weren't like guys that you would like go out and believe if they were telling you something usually you would be like what's the joke okay you know what are you trying to you know get money out of someone is this you know so having these guys actually be evangelists going into town and having them believe that they can actually do that you know i mean i I would imagine some of them in their own self would be like we're not going to tell anybody no one's going to believe us we're shepherds they couldn't help it though that's what yeah that's the thing about them is they couldn't help it and when you think about it they are the first evangelists yeah as far as they are the first ones to actually talk about christ and tell people about christ after he was born right i mean prophets yes and angels sure but this is the first evangelist to go and say, hey, this amazing thing has happened. Yeah. It's the shepherds. And the other thing that I find really interesting 
and also telling that it's shepherds is you mentioned they're the low of the low. And so that's one thing for me is, you know, this, this tells us, you know, crisis for everyone, you know, he's, he's mm-hmm. not just for the elite, he's for everyone. Right. But they were looked down upon because of the status of their job. As far as they were out there in the fields, they did not come in from the fields very often because, you know, why socialize with people when they aren't going to want to be around you? And, <laughs> and yet they were important of utmost importance to Jewish society mm-hmm. because they cared for the things that were used in sacrifices. Yeah. And so here you have the, the men, and this is something this year for me, something new as I come to the story and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to teach the story to kids for the 20th time, <laughs> you know, the 20th year or whatever, uh, is that the angels come to the guys who are watching over the things that are sacrificed for people's sins. Right. And they get to go and be the first ones to see the child who has been born so that he can grow and become a man to be mm-hmm. sacrificed for the sins of the world. You know, I mean, yeah. it's the, the sheep that they care for is a symbol of Christ. Yeah. It, when it comes down to it. And um, so, I mean, there's so many different neat things that are, you know, part of just what does it mean that the, these shepherds were the first ones? Why did the angels bother to go to the shepherds? Why not just tell everyone? You know, the shepherds could have been, you know, on the edge of town, but the the angels could have been spread out from the hills where the shepherds were all the way into the center of town. But they didn't. They specifically came to this group of men who, and maybe some women, I don't know, um, who were out there doing this job that no one wanted. Um, Recently, I heard a pastor say that you have, you have shepherds. And the only people below them are Samaritans, as far as the Jewish people are concerned. And I, I don't know how true that is, but they absolutely were the low. They were the unwashed of society. And right. yeah, they they got they got the concert from the angels and they got the message and they got to be the first ones to go and see the child. And yeah. I I, I there's so much about the Christmas story that just gets me so excited, you know, and the, these shepherds, that's, that's just one more thing that just gets me excited. Yeah. So, but did we, did we classify this one? I don't know if we did because no, this, this is one that could be considered, I think, first kind visual. Now there's absolutely some audio going on as well. Right. You know, the, the angels are singing, um, but this this is a, a visual thing. There's not any physical trace other than they also get to go and have a close encounter of the third kind. They actually have an encounter right. with God. They right. they are there at the side of the bed or the manger rather. And then they 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 have a close encounter with God right there. There he is, the son of God, part of the Trinity right there. And what about the star? Unidentified flying object. Well, what about the star? It's an unidentified flying object. Well, but that's that's the Magi, the, the star. I know, but they they didn't they follow the star to the to uh to where the the not, manger was. Well, not the shepherds. Did they? I don't think they did. Uh, Let me see. 
my Bible is just out of reach. No, it's not just out of reach for me. The angels left them. The shepherds said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing. So they hurried and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. All right. No. I'll save my uh, my opinion for the, the wise men. Well, that's the next one. Unless you want to. We could All do right. a, a, a short pit stop with Anna and Simeon. Who had their own uh, third encounter kind. Um, yeah, they actually were right there. And so this is uh, just after Jesus was born, and he's taken in into into uh, <clears throat> be consecrated. And there's Simeon, who was this righteous man who was waiting for the Messiah. The Holy Spirit had promised to him that the Messiah would be seen by him be, before he died. And he actually saw uh, Mary and Joseph, and and knew that that was the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Just knew. Uh, and then there's Anna, who she was also old and she had uh, her husband had died long ago, right after they had gotten married. And now she is a widow, 84 years old, spent all of her time at the temple, worshiped day and night. And then she also was there for that moment where uh, Simeon was, was there with them and she gave thanks. And yeah, she told everyone about about this child. And both of them had a an absolute physical contact with God. Um, in the case of Simeon, he may have had I don't I don't know how the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would live to see the Messiah, but yeah, he had had some sort of encounter before that as well. Yeah. So now let's talk about the Magi. These guys. These guys. Maybe three, maybe more. Probably I, more. I, I, I don't think there was two. I, I think it's three or more. Um, yeah. But you, what, what, what's your best understanding of who they were? Because a lot of people think, you know, if, if they were magicians, if they were pagan astrologers or something, then why? I mean, it, it wouldn't make any sense for them to be. You know, that type of thing. But, you know, what, what's your take on it? That's my take, is that they were pagans. Um, my, my take is they were pagans in, in Persia or in that area um, and that they saw this star. And I actually, again, I've, I've written this story uh, a couple different times in comic book form and, and obviously even teaching kids about it and stuff. But um, my belief is that when they saw this star, they kind of were, you know, figuring out what was in that direction. I think that's when they realized that if, you know, if if they were to follow the star to kind of where it's hanging, so to speak, it would take them into Israel, into that area, and that they were able to um, pull out of the archives some of the writings of people from that area. Uh, potentially, I think um, Daniel's writings, especially that mm-hmm. the Daniel's writings might have been available to them, and that they might have figured out, okay, hey, this is quite possibly the Messiah that has been talked about in these writings here and that's what caused them to to follow the star and and specifically to to go to jerusalem and in jerusalem then they would have had contact obviously with uh herod and his wise men and from herod's wise men that's where they get the the birthplace of bethlehem Mm -hmm. and because they had lost sight of the star at that point and then they continued on their way and and that took them to uh to the house where they found the child who was probably two or three years old because it took him that long to get there. Right. <laughs> so, right. 
Um, See, I think I think my my best explanation that I've heard, like the one that that I would like to, I would like this to have been it, and and the, having them as pagans, and having you know God actually calling pagans to him to have you know make that heart change i think is is an amazing thing as well um but i sort of like the the explanation that as daniel had had set up you know his his whatever he he set up there he he set up a, a type of thing where there was um people who looked at the sky and looked at the stars and believed that you know in genesis it says they're there for signs and for uh, for seasons and things like that. So he taught them, you know, there's stars in the sky. This is the constellations and, and the constellations have changed. I mean, the, the names of them have changed over the course of years and, and you know, from different cultures, but usually they're very similar things that people see up there. Um, so if you look at them in a certain way, and I'm not saying this is correct or this is you know, exactly the way that god wanted it to be but if you look at them in a certain way as the constellations are are given the the older style i i have a book on this somewhere um but it tells the story of the gospel in the sky and you can sort of see you know the like hydra the dragon refers to to satan and you know uh the different things refer to different things in the story so people would look up into the sky before they had a written uh, gospel and be able to to show younger kids or or you know strangers or whatever this is what we believe and it's written in the sky and so daniel would would have told them that and then all of a sudden this star appears somewhere in the sky that is indicative of you know of of the messiah and so they say this yeah, you know, this means something. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then they, they follow it to the point where, you know, we we know the story as it is. But they're believers who see the sky as as the gospel, see the sky as as what the Old Testament reveals in a different way. But they're looking at that at, at the sky for signs and for, for seasons and things like that. And they see this thing and they say that's new. And it's here in the in the whole cycle where it sort of refers to a messiah so that's why they follow it and they bring the the gold frankincense and myrrh gold being for a king you would bring you know gold for a king frankincense would be something that you would bring for a priest and you know the frankincense is what they would burn the uh, to you know make the sweet savor and the smell and then the the myrrh is what you would put on a dead body strange for a two or three year old child but you know, perhaps Mary kept it for 30 years and then had a chance to actually use it. So, yeah, you know. I, I doubt that. I, I really think that um, the using the myrrh, I should say, uh, that the, the wise men brought, I, I really think that's just <laughs> too unbelievable. <laughs> Consider, like we're here, we're talking about these miraculous things and, and I'm, I'm getting hung <laughs> up on this being unbelievable. But um, because I, I think that there was I mean, that was a very, very, very very expensive uh thing in the, at the time even mm -hmm. even then and that was something that they would have i think sold to uh oh yeah they could have you know uh, early on 
Um, and and Mur, I think, also had some healing qualities. Uh, was considered to have healing qualities as a I can't remember now how how it was used, but mm-hmm. anyway, um, I yeah I I I'm stuck on that they were they were pagan. Um, that they were people who were watching the stars for signs, and they see this as a sign. Um, I've I've seen them referred to as kingmakers, as far as uh, these are people who would have seen the signs for like the the coming of the Roman emperor, emperor, you know, and and which this this is the kind of thing that they're looking for is anything that can be interpreted to be a sign, and, and yet this is clearly a, a new thing, and mm-hmm. and it's clearly a sign, an actual sign, not just something that they're interpreting as a sign. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of, I mean, that's that's the way that I that I interpret this and and see them, um, based on my my research and my writing and that. Right. But um, the bottom Very line possible. is they see I'm, this I'm, thing and they recognize, as you said, this means something, <laughs> and and so they they decide to follow it to its its extreme. And this is probably the one um, I hadn't even made the connection of the the <laughs> this means something idea. Um, <laughs> but this is the one that. Uh, above all of these other ones, except for maybe the shepherds where they have the encounter and the encounter causes them to, to go and seek and to find out more. And one of the reasons maybe that I hold on to the idea that they're pagan, um, is that, you know, God reveals himself to everyone and Mm -hmm. Christ is not just for the select few. Mm-hmm. Christ is for the lowly of the lows, but those lowly of the lows were were lowly and low, but they were still Jewish. You know, mm-hmm. these men, and this is why I like, for me, that, that interpretation of, of the pagan uh, is, is just so, so much more meaningful to me because these men also would not be, have been accepted by a Jewish society right. <laughs> because they weren't. And even though there are these high and and uh, educated, scholarly, wealthy, um, mm-hmm. but not accepted by the society that Jew- Jesus was born into, uh, and not accepted by the society that was around this place when the church started spreading out, even. Uh, but they are also who Jesus came for. And, and, you know, Jesus came for me. I mean, I'm not wealthy and scholarly, um, but I'm also not Jewish. You know, and Well, you're scholarly, I'd say. Well, I, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I don't have degrees. Let's put it that way. I mean, I, I do spend time learning and, and I love learning and I love teaching, but, um, but I'm not this kind of scholar, you know, and, um, and, and I don't think I'd be this kind of intelligent, but they, they give me that kind of nice feeling of yeah uh christ is for me too you know and and so we see in the the christmas story quote unquote the christmas story you know who jesus has come for and and you know he also comes for the people who seek him though and you know you go to him he comes for you you go to him Mm -hmm. and and they and they do and so this is where yeah, I mean Roy Neary, he he takes off, he follows the not the star in, in the movie, he's following the um vaguely mountain shaped thought that he has implanted in his head. But these wise men, these mag magi, they 
they go and and they 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 seek it out and yeah so let's classify this i mean they do get a third kind encounter absolutely for sure because they get to see jesus but the star that is close encounters of the first kind right there i'm just gonna throw it out there right now because exclamation point yes we can stamp this one definitively (laughs) visual contact except for one thing and that is according to the scale uh, visual contact has to be of something that's within 500 yards, I believe, of you. I'll look again, but... Well, maybe it was. The Bible doesn't say 500 it was. 500 feet. 500 feet. <laughs> Close encounters of the first kind are visual sightings seemingly less than 500 feet away. Maybe it was like like 499 feet away, and they just keep kept following it, and it kept leading them. You know? And it was just... <clears throat> well, that's a possibility. I mean, it is actually possible... Uh, the way some comets have appeared, um, I do wonder if, if the star that they had seen was a comet and that it was something that was um, moving, quote unquote. Uh, I have not written this story, Steve, but I really want to someday of angels going thousands of years ago or thousands of years before Jesus was born and like igniting a supernova. <laughs> you know, and it's like I'm not sure what we're igniting this for, but you know, <laughs> Earth is over there. You know, God's God's people that He created, they're over there. Like yeah. it's gonna take, you know, four thousand years for this light to reach them. And why did God send us to destroy this star? Yeah. He just made it. <laughs> you know, and and so it's just the the idea of just setting this thing into motion. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, there are prophecies of Christ over 4,000 years before he was born. Uh, why not set into motion the star that they followed um, or set into motion the comet that was in the sky that, that would have looked like it was hanging there for them to follow? Um, and I, I'm not sure if there is an actual comet that, that astronomers have been able to maybe identify as the comet that they could have been following, but I, I do know that there was a comet that appeared that um, – in more recent times that, that looked like it was just hanging in the sky and and kind of moving slowly because of the relation of where it was and how it was moving um, in in relation to our, our own orbit around the sun. And so I just love the idea of just God setting this thing into motion, you know, thousands of years. And it's just like, yeah, I I get to do this and it's not going to be, um, the fulfillment of this thing is not going to happen for a long time, but when it happens, <laughs> there's going to be some very happy magi. Yeah. Well, it's like setting something up. Like you've written books before and you, you set something up in the, in like the first couple of pages and you're like, Oh man, this is going to really pay off in page 523. You it's know? a celestial spiritual checkoffs gun. You know, (laughs) it's there in the first act and no one knows why. Well, they don't know why because they can't see it yet. But (laughs) yeah. So it it means something. (laughs) Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, we can there's another encounter as far as the angels coming and telling the wise men, hey, don't go back to Herod because he's going to kill this child. And then the angels telling uh, Joseph to, you know, get out of here, go to Egypt. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I think we're going to close it down there um, and just say, yeah, uh, (laughs) I, I, I love this idea 
I, I and I, I'd like to kind of visit the close encounters thing again. But if we never do, that's why I'm not going to make this a series. You know, if, <laughs> if we never visit this again, I think this is probably uh, the best, the the best one to 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 examine the Christmas story with this stuff. I mean, I think so too. Moses is great and all, but <laughs> this is the Christmas story. So. He's all right, you know. Hey, yeah. I mean, nothing against Moses, but yeah. Well, any final words about uh, Close Encounters or the Christmas Story, Steve? Well, I think I think if I had to say anything, it would probably be <laughs> fools rush in where angels fear to tread. It's true. It's true. And if I had to say anything, it would be uh, that this episode brought to you by Dog Wings Creative, yeah, Creativity Unleashed. They do custom graphics, logos, branding, design. You can find them at dogwings.us. They created our most recent, uh, I guess you'd call them avatars, right? most recent yeah, visual yeah. representations of the podcast gang, um, Dr. J, Steve and myself and Evan. And, uh, so we, first of all, want to thank them for that. But second of all, want to say, if you need any graphic design needs, check them out. Yes. The other thing I want to say is Steve, thank you for joining me. You're welcome. Always a pleasure. And listeners, thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure. And no matter what you're following, if you're following that thing to get to Jesus, hopefully you're following a good thing to get to Jesus, but I do wish you Godspeed. Yes. Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast hosted by Ben Avery, Evan David, Steve McDonald, and Dr. Jason Neal. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com. Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter where we are at strangeandalien or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is 1-804-3780. And once again, thanks for listening. Spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah, yeah not christmas yet some people might not know the story <laughs>